science you can use. The Dr. Joe Show on CJAD 800. Well, we are ready to say goodbye to 2020. Good riddance, right? This has not been a stellar year, uh, full of all kinds of political intrigue and, of course, the devastating COVID-19 that has influenced our life in every way. So we look forward to 2021. It has to be better than this year. For me, it's uh, going into my 41st year here on CJD, which is kind of frightening to think about. And uh, believe it or not, the Canadians won two Stanley Cups uh, while I've been on the air. So uh, those of you can remember, many of you, of course, can't remember the Canadians ever winning a Stanley Cup. But uh, I've witnessed uh, two of them right here uh, on the air. So that certainly takes us uh, back a while. And... uh, uh so many interesting things have happened of course in 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 the last uh, 40 years but uh, i can tell you that uh, none were as uh, sort of all encompassing as uh, what we saw this year with covid-19 i mean this has been uh, obviously an extremely extremely memorable and hopefully a forgettable uh, experience uh, every day seems to bring something new about this uh, this virus uh, right now, uh, of course, we are uh, concerned about the mutations that have been noted, not only in the UK, but also in South Africa, and uh, also, as we learned yesterday, in Ontario. There are a couple of questions that come up about these mutations. What is it that it really means in terms of severity of the illness, transmission of the illness, and, of course, whether or not uh, the vaccines are going to work as well on these uh, novel strains. You should understand that viruses mutate all the time. A virus is uh, a very, very complex uh, entity. And uh, in this particular case, what we are concerned about most are those proteins on the surface of the virus, the so-called spike proteins, because that's what the virus uses to gain entry into cells. And that, of course, is also the target of, uh, of vaccines. The question is, do these mutations occur in the spike protein? So what is a, a mutation? The spike protein is just a long chain of amino acids. In the case of coronaviruses, around uh, 1,400 amino acids. When one of these amino acids is exchanged for another one, that then is called a mutation. Now, whether or not that affects the overall function of the virus depends on exactly where on this protein chain that mutation takes place. Because proteins are very complex entities. They they fold so that they have a three-dimensional structure. And it is that three-dimensional structure that plays a very important role in, in how the protein functions. And if that structure is changed, then so is the function of the protein. So the question is whether or not those mutations uh, are found at places on that protein chain that will affect the way the chain folds. And uh, so far, there have been about 17 mutations found on the uh, spike virus uh, uh, chain. None of them, though, seems to be in areas where the folding is, is important or in areas where the spike protein binds to the ACE2 receptor on the surface of cells. It is that binding to the ACE2 receptors that is the prelude to the virus entering a cell. So it must first bind. If it doesn't bind, it cannot enter. And uh, if the uh, mutation has not occurred 
in the part of the of the protein that it uses to bind to that receptor, then there isn't a whole lot to worry about. And so far, it seems like that is the case. So at this point, uh, if you listen to virologists, and they, of course, are the experts in this area, uh, the feeling is that the uh, uh, vaccine uh, will still work, that the antibodies are, that are generated will still recognize the mutated uh, spike protein and therefore will confer immunity. But as I've said so many times, unfortunately, in, in you know the last few months that we've been discussing this, this plague, uh, that what we know today may not be what we learn tomorrow. And uh, it may be that uh, some mutation will be uncovered that does, in fact, uh, play a role in uh, how uh, the antibodies will recognize or not recognize the, the spike uh, protein. So this is a, a question that only time will answer. Another question that only time will tell is uh, the issue about allergenicity and people having reactions to, to the virus. To, oh, sorry, to the vaccine. There's no question, of course, that people will have reactions to the vaccine. Uh, this is a well-known uh, consequence of any kind of vaccination. Some people will have a reaction to it. Generally, uh, it uh, tends to be uh, a very low risk. Uh, one in a million usually is what is quoted for a serious reaction to, to a vaccine. We've had a few serious reactions to the, both the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine in the last couple of weeks. But uh, aside from one case that, that uh, I came across, the others were all in people who had a history of very severe allergies. And th these were also people who had been prescribed uh, EpiPens. Uh, it seems that uh, if someone does not have a history of allergies, then they are not likely to have an allergy to this reaction. Uh, some people have asked about egg allergy because uh, some vaccines are grown in eggs. Uh, this is not one of those. Uh, and whether or not you're allergic to, to fish should make no difference here. Uh, there are no animal components in, in this vaccine. So if there is an allergy uh, to one of the components, uh, the most likely candidate is a polyethylene glycol derivative that is used in this lipid layer that encapsulates the messenger RNA, which is the active ingredient in, in, in the vaccine. Uh, polyethylene glycol is used in uh, a large variety of, of uh, commercial products. Uh, many laxatives have polyethylene glycol in them. Toothpaste will have polyethylene glycol, many cosmetic products. So the population at large is exposed to polyethylene glycol, and uh, therefore uh, people have developed allergies to this. Uh, you know, this is a simple matter of life. Uh, if there is something out there in the environment, uh, someone will be allergic to it. So it is possible that, that people have become sensitized to polyethylene glycol because of its pervasive nature in, in the environment, and that may be contributing to these uh, the allergic reactions that, that we have seen. Uh, hard to know. Uh, but one thing that I can say, I think, you know, with quite, you know, confidently, that there has been uh, no negligence uh, in the research. There have been no shortcuts uh, taken. 
So if we are going to find allergies at an unusual rate, which at this point, of course, we don't know, doesn't seem like it so far, it is not because someone has been negligent. It is just that when you do your clinical trials, even your phase three trials, uh, which in this case you know, involve thousands of people, you're not going to pick up side effects that may occur in you know, one in 100,000 cases because you've not done 100,000 cases. So with allergies, we really won't know whether or not there's unusual frequency until essentially millions of people have been vaccinated. And we're underway to that. So this is a, this is a question that will be answered in, in a very short uh, time because we'll just have the, the data to see whether or not uh, uh, the allergy frequency is, is greater than one would have expected. But at this point, what the health authorities are recommending is that people who have a history of allergies, especially those who have been prescribed EpiPens, should discuss with their physician whether or not they should get the vaccine at this point or wait until more data has been uh, gathered. Okay, uh, we're going to have to take a break here. We'll uh, um, check what traffic is like. But in the meantime, let me throw out a question because we are going to play question and answer today. I also want to have a little, little bit of Jeopardy quiz with you guys. So here's the first question. Why in the 1920s did some men in the U.S. attach cow hoofs to the sole of their shoes? 1920s. That's important, the date. Why did some men in the U.S. attach cow hoofs to the sole of their shoes? All right. And with uh, that in mind, as you go searching on the Internet, we're going to take a break and check traffic. Your source when you need answers. The Dr. Joe Show on CJAD 800. Our number here is 514-790-0800. You can also text to 514-800. The question that I asked is, why in the 1920s did some men in the U.S. attach cow hoofs, which they had cut off from cows, obviously, to the soles of their feet? If you know the answer, you give us a call at 514-790-0800. And also, if you want to play online Jeopardy!, then give us a call at the same number, and uh, we're going to play just like we, uh, just like you see on TV. Uh, I will give you the the answer, and of course you have to postulate it in the form of a a, a question. So, if you want to play, uh, get online now five one four seven nine zero zero eight hundred. I think we can have some fun with that. But right now I've got Kenneth on the line. Kenneth. Hi, uh, a question um, about congestive heart failure. I have a lot of water directly under the skin, and I notice that if I take the pills, I would urinate maybe every five minutes, maybe 50 milliliters. But if I massage my skin, and especially the belly that, that builds up because of the water retention, it seems like I can urinate much faster, maybe up to 200 milliliters every five minutes. Is there uh, some connection between how the water is retained just under the skin surface and by pressing hard, like massaging? No, no, that it doesn't make any any uh, physiological sense. So no. I, I can't explain that. Uh, but uh, you might, uh, you know, pose this to a cardiologist because, of course, they see this, you know, 
the problem of fluid retention all the time. But I, I can't imagine that you, you say that it, it's not like you know your skin is sort of an empty empty container that can be filled with water. The the the, the water is in between the cells and inside the cells. It's, so it's it's not something that can be squeezed out. So no, I don't have an answer for, for that. Sorry. Uh, okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Boy, we got some uh, interesting uh, uh, questions, isn't, isesn't it? All right. Oh, I've got uh, Jean-Pierre online. And, uh, okay, he wants to play Jeopardy. Here we go. Jean-Pierre. Yes? You're all set. Yes. Okay, you know how Jeopardy works, right? I give you the answer. You have to, to form, a, form a question. All okay. right. It required burning hydrogen and aluminum to reach its lofty goal. Okay, you mean, uh, I don't know, is that a person? Or? No, it. It required burning hydrogen and aluminum to reach its lofty goal. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, unfortunately, you're out. You're out. I'm surprised because you normally get these things, but uh la vie, right? You win some and you lose some. Okay, thanks. We'll go to Rona. Rona. Yes, this is Rona speaking. Yes, Rona. Uh, it's not about the question that you're asking right now. Uh, it's about the coronavirus vaccine. Okay. I have heard a number of instances where people remarked on the fact that uh those people with autoimmune diseases should not have the uh, the vaccination, the auto, the corona Right. Vaccine. Well, yes, that's an interesting question, and there's no categorical answer to that yet because in uh, none of the trials so far yeah. uh, have there been people suffering from autoimmune uh, disease. I mean, right. there you know there may have been obviously among the forty four thousand people you know who were tested uh, Pfizer who who had arthritis or you know uh, diabetes unknown. Right. But but there there certainly has been no trial which focused in on people who had autoimmune diseases. Uh, so. Uh -huh. uh, we don't we don't have a categorical wait? answer. So this is, you know, this is one of those cases where yeah. you you do have to discuss with the physician. Unfortunately, I also think that the physician probably will at this point not be able to give uh, a solid answer uh, to this because the testing just has not been done. Now, in terms of of whether or not uh, there is any scientific plausibility here, uh, there is, because if someone has an autoimmune disease, it means that their uh, immune system is overactive, right? That it is attacking some parts of the body that it should not be attacking. Right. And just how this, uh, you know, the immune system will react to uh, to the uh, vaccine is, yeah. is hard to guess because it might be that since the immune system is primed to to launch attacks because that's yeah. what it's doing right in in cases like lupus and and you know uh, ms ms or such autoimmune diseases yeah. uh, it is conceivable that there could be an effect now i've looked at some of the information that is being you know put out by the ms societies right and uh, uh, they don't seem to be uh, concerned uh, they're, that they're not concerned they're what, not what, they're not what, concerned what, I, I, I but they, you know they 
Unfortunately, the bottom line here is that, again, this is one of those questions that will not be answered until large numbers of people have been vaccinated and we see what the, the adverse reactions are. Mm-hmm. And what, about, what about rheumatoid arthritis? Rheumatoid arthritis is unlikely. It's unlikely that the, the vaccine is going to have an effect. Again, that comes from the arthritis societies. Okay. But, they're, they're, but they're just making, you know, educated guesses based on, you know, what they know about the, the progress of these diseases. However, ag- again, as with the allergic reactions, I think we have a situation here uh, where within uh, really a very short time, and we're talking weeks, we will have an answer to this because there will have been obviously a large number of people with autoimmune diseases and these are not rare you know i mean the things like like uh, lupus and 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 diabetes and and and, and crohn's are are not rare diseases so there will be people who have gotten this vaccine in in large numbers and we'll see whether or not there are reactions so you think you you suspect that in a few weeks you, we might have different answers. Yes, I think. Or an uh, answer. Yes, I think this is something that we will have an answer to when a few million people have been uh, vaccinated, because among these few million people, undoubtedly, there will be a large number of people with autoimmune diseases. Right. And uh, you will see whether or not there is any uh, adverse reaction. Okay. So, you know, I don't know for now. I mean, I'll, Uh you know, um, I think the prudent thing would be to, to hold off a little bit. You know, if you have some autoimmune disease, uh, because nobody but it really knows into the my answer. building, the, shop, the vaccinations come into my building very shortly. So, mm-hmm. so I'm, uh, you know, out of luck for that. But uh, right. what, what well, would I mean, the, you case? know, this is something to discuss with the physician. We always say that, but unfortunately, uh-huh. no physician is going to have a concrete answer to this because right. Right. only time will tell. You know. Okay. 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 And what happens if somebody doesn't take the vaccine, that vaccination that's given to you at, at a, you know, at a, in a residence of some sort? What are the chances of me being able to get um, a vaccine later on? I, I have no idea. You don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know that, how that they are. That has not come up, right? No, I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. good so, luck. Good thank luck. you so much. I okay. appreciate your help. Okay. Bye. All right, uh, let us uh, see, uh, I think that's Catherine. Catherine? Yes, hi, Dr. Schwartz. Hi. I was going to answer your question regarding the 1920 yes. question. I think it's to make the people taller. No. Why would that specifically have to be cow hoofs? I mean, you could you know, just put a piece of, of wood, right, underneath your shoe or anything to elevate it. I thought because there were so many, you know, uh, opportunities for that, that it could have been uh, something that they used back then and it was more durable. No, no, it wasn't that. And again, the, the 1920s, that's an important thing to take into account. Okay. All right. So we still have that question hanging out there. And of course, uh, I want to get around to playing Jeopardy with you guys. So get on the line, 514-790-0800. We'll now take a break, see what's going on in the world, and then come back and uh, play Jeopardy. Life's Everyday Mystery Solved, The Dr. Joe Show on CJAD 800. This morning on the ever-popular trivia show here on CJAD, I asked a question, and the question I asked this morning was, what is the link between the vanity of Simon Cowell and sheep? 
uh, Simon Cowell, uh, of course, most of you will recognize as the uh, uh, man behind American Idol, behind uh, X Factor, America's Got Talent. He's a producer, record uh, executive, whatever. I and mean, he's got had some good ideas for TV shows. And of course, he's become immensely wealthy. He's also extremely vain. And uh, he cares a lot about his uh, appearance, although I think not so much about his dress with his uh, uh, shirts open down to the navel. But anyway, he, he does care a lot about what his face looks like. And he has tried all kinds of anti-aging regimens. He, he drinks smoothies made of exotic berries and and the shape connection. Uh, Simon, like other celebrities, Kim Kardashian being one, Victoria Beckham and many others, uh, has shelled out uh, several hundred dollars for a sheep placenta facial. Well, placenta, of course, is the organ that connects the mother to the, uh, to the fetus. And obviously, it has a lot of important uh, biochemicals in it. It's got proteins, growth factors, hormones of all kinds. And uh, one, of course, can make a case for the fact that uh, the placenta also contains stem cells. These are the cells that can become any kind of cell. And uh, if you look at the advertising, uh, they'll tell you that, uh, you know, there's a relationship between sheep placenta stem cells and human stem cells. And uh, they kind of suggest that by having a sheep placenta facial, you're somehow going to absorb the, the stem cells from the placenta, and those are going to become human cells, skin cells. No, this is absolute nonsense. That is not going to, to happen. Uh, if a facial with placenta works, it has nothing to do with stem cells. Uh, it is because essentially rubbing anything on, on the face, uh, massaging it into the face will have some rejuvenating effect. It will plump up the skin, especially if it has some moisturizing ingredients, which undoubtedly these, these gels that are made of sheep placenta to have. Uh, but there's no there's no uh, miracle here with uh, rubbing sheep placenta onto onto the face. Of course, over the years, people have tried all kinds of bizarre ingredients uh, in in facials. Uh, everything from semen, believe it or not, to uh, the uh, excreta of nightingales, nightingale poop, uh, snail excreta. Uh, I mean, all kinds of things rubbed on, on the face. Urine has been a mainstay in, of, of, of uh, facials historically. Why? Well, it actually does contain urea, which may have some moisturizing effect. <laughs> but I think the one that is the, the most imaginative, and I, I like this one, is face slapping, which is apparently a remedy that uh, originated in Thailand for sagging skin. And uh, what it involves is literally slapping the face. And that's what uh, an aesthetician who's involved in this will do. And uh, it costs you about $350 a session. And the aesthetician will then uh, slap your face. And uh, uh, in fact, not too gently. And the idea is that it increases blood flow to the face and stimulates collagen. Uh, again, there's no clinical evidence uh, for that. And uh, I, I think that uh, I would uh, uh, probably 
rather put uh, nightingale excrete on my face than be subjected to face slapping uh, for an hour at a time, $350 a, a session. All right, let's uh, let's get to the lines, I think. Uh, first, let's go to Bonnie. She has a question. Bonnie. Hello, Dr. Joe. Thank you so much for 40 years for blessing all of your listeners with knowledge, comprehension, you actually make chemistry and science fun. And I don't believe you're paid. And if you were, you should be paid millions because <laughs> that's what you're worth. So on behalf of all of your listeners, I, I feel as though my family and I and my kids listened in growing up. We cannot thank you enough. And here's to 40 more years. Please. Well, I, I don't think there'll be 40 more, but I, I, I appreciate your uh, comments uh, very much. And usually when I get effusive praise like that, it's a prelude to a question that I won't be able to answer. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I have two questions, if I may. Um. I loved your segment on zinc, and I believe you said it would be acceptable to take up to 40 milligrams a day. Yeah, 40 milligrams is not a problem, yeah. Okay, and because I take vitamin D, vitamin C, I try to eat healthily most of the time, and so I've never taken a zinc supplement, but with would you feel comfortable recommending it, or do you yourself take I don't know. I, I don't uh, take it. I think I get enough zinc in diet. But, okay. uh, you know, uh, there certainly is no no harm in taking 40 milligrams of zinc. Great. And that would, like, I could take it for, like, a year, or oh, yeah. um, you can, or should I you can take stop? it. You can take it forever. There's no, 40 milligrams is not an issue. Okay, and would it be like vitamin C if you take too much, you just urinate it out? No, 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 no. Zinc is not something that you want to overdose on. That can okay. have consequences because it will interfere with the way that copper, which is another essential element, with the way it works in the body. So no, 40 okay. milligrams is fine. You don't want to be going uh, you know, to extremes. Great, thank you. And um, now that COVID has had all these mutations, do they know exactly why now it's more transmissible? Like, does it linger in the air longer? Has it become no, no, more no, potent? That's not, no, that's not, that's not the issue. Uh, in general, uh, a virus that transmits more easily is one that will have fewer uh, serious effects because such a virus, in order to multiply uh, a great deal in the body, does not want to kill off its host. Right. If it kills oh. off, if it kills off the host, then then the virus basically is not going to be able to spread. So uh, when you have a mutation that that makes the virus more transmissible, it also means that it it generally is less serious in terms of the effects that it uh, it produces. Okay, so, so uh, this might actually be a good thing. <laughs> yes, well, in a sense, yes, yes. A more transmissible okay. is is uh, basically less serious uh, uh, disease. Okay. Great. Well, thank you. We okay. all love you. Thank, thank you, you, Dr. Joe. Okay, Bye. thank you. All right, let's go to Jackie, who has an answer to my hoof question. Jackie. Yes, how are you? Okay. All right. Um, 1920 Moonshiners. Yes. They put that on to protect themselves so it looked like uh, cow print. 
Yes, very good. This was, uh, of course, this was the era of prohibition. Exactly. And the, the moonshiners yeah. were setting up their stills in remote areas of the country. And in mm -hmm. order to prevent the, the authorities from catching them, they would wear these shoes with the hoofs on the bottom so it looked like only animals were around that area. And they wouldn't be able to trace human footsteps to where they were doing the uh, moonshine. Okay, very good. All right, thank okay. you. Stay well. Great. Thank you very much. All right. And uh, I see we've got uh, Liz on the line who's ready to play Jeopardy, but right now we're ready to check traffic. And after that, we'll be right back and uh, play a little bit of uh, quiz. Science you can use. The Dr. Joe Show on CJAD 800. Okay, Liz, ready yeah. to go? Yes, first I'd like to second what the lady before me said about you. That was great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'd like to, um, the, the question for Jeopardy. That okay, you so the same question that uh, I asked before. Yeah. Yeah, what it, is antacid? No, listen to, uh, to it again. Okay. Mm -hmm. Required burning hydrogen and aluminum to reach its lofty goal. Oh, I thought you meant the how what the product is. No, I don't understand the question really. Okay, we'll have to wait for the next person yeah. who does okay. understand the question. Okay, uh, let's see who else we uh, we have here. Uh, we have Renee. Renee. Hi, hi, Doctor Joe. Hi. Um, do I pose Do I pose the answer as a question? No. No, this is the what answer. Is, well, what is a zeppelin? Uh, no, uh, well, no, uh, that's a very interesting answer, though, because the Zeppelin, of course, was full of hydrogen, okay, but that it didn't want to burn no. the hydrogen, <laughs> right, obviously, <laughs> but, but, but the reason that, that what you say is interesting is because the coating on the Zeppelin actually had aluminum uh, in it, so, the, I mean, you've got the terms kind of, but you know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna look the other way and give you another question. Wow! All thanks. Right. Okay. I probably won't right. get this. Okay. One. <laughs> the Bible referred to it as brimstone. Is it flint? No, no. All right. We'll see if we get uh, well, someone else to I, sacrifice themselves. I can't wait to hear the answer. All right. Okay. I, I think we got Mark here. Mark. Yes, Mark Joe. Yes, sir. Uh, I uh, listened to uh, two different channels of a uh, specialist that were talking about the uh, COVID uh, um, yeah. vaccine. Okay. And they were talking about two different kinds of vaccines. Yes. Like polio, if you get uh, vaccinated, you will not get the, uh, the, the polio. Now, they were talking about the new vaccine that we have now is one that will protect the person, but you can still catch the uh, COVID. No. And still give it to to somebody else. No, no, that is absolutely wrong. I don't know where you heard that, because none of these vaccines uh, are live virus vaccines. You cannot possibly catch the uh, the disease. The Pfizer. No, no, no. Sorry, sorry. I'm not talking about getting the vaccine. You get the uh, the virus. I'm talking about the kinds of vaccine that protects a person that it will completely block the possibility of catching the, 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 uh, the disease. Okay. And the one that will prevent it from dying, getting too bad. The, none none of the vaccines, no vaccine in the world will ever 
categorically <laughs> tell you that it's 100% effective. There's no such thing. The measles vaccine comes pretty close. You know, it, it's, it's effective over a lifetime. But no yeah. vaccine is 100% effective. And in this case, the, the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine are in the 95% category, which is unbelievably good in terms of, of preventing disease. Now, we don't know how long the antibodies that are, are um, formulated in response to this vaccine are going to last. We don't know if it's three months, six months, a year. It's not going to be a lifetime. So it, it's not going to be in the same category as measles or polio that will protect you for you know the rest of your life. The rest of your life it's, yeah. it's going to be a much short more short-term uh, protection. But until enough people have been vaccinated and enough time has passed, we will not be able to tell just how this works out and how effective uh, it is. Okay, thanks very much. Uh, all right, uh, let's see if we can get uh, someone else uh, here to, to play Jeopardy. Hi, who do we have here? Uh, Luke. Hi, okay. Uh, so I, I'm going to try to answer the question with the, with the uh, hydrogen. Okay. Okay. Is it for melting gold? No. Again, listen, listen carefully to what the answer to the question is. It required burning hydrogen and aluminum to reach its lofty goal. Lofty is important in, in, in here, in this question. Okay, what about the other one that I asked? The Bible referred to it as brimstone? I don't know. Gee, what was caller. I really like the show. Well, okay, thank First you. Caller, I really like the show. Thank you. All right. Well, we hopefully we'll get an answer to 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 one of these. I'm surprised that uh, uh, the brimstone one would be uh, a problem. Okay. Let's see who else. Who do we have here? Who do we have on the line here? Hello. Hello. Who do we, who do we have here? Yeah, my name is Cyril. All right. Either of those. Uh, categories can you answer it required burning hydrogen and aluminum to reach its lofty goal or the bible referred to it as brimstone um uh, the uh the fuel required to reach its lofty goals so it's basically the fuel of the primary and second secondary rocket boosters for the uh the space shuttle yes so the, uh, hey. what so the answer would have been what is the space shuttle right in yeah, jeopardy you have shuttle? to phrase it in those words okay yeah all right the next one the Bible referred to it as brimstone. <laughs> that I don't know. <laughs> All right. I'm going to give you, a, because you seem to be a nice guy, I'm going to give you another shot. Thank All right. You. Okay. Pots made of this metal were used by the Romans to boil wine to make it sweeter and resulting in a beverage they called sapa. Uh, one more time. Sorry. These pots were made of a metal. The question is what the metal was. The pots made of this metal were used by the Romans to boil wine to make it sweeter. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that either. <laughs> All right, I'm, okay. Sorry seeing, about that. Seeing that I'm in a really good mood, uh, I'm going to give you one more chance here, okay? okay. Uh, the red planet owes its color to this mineral. Uh, is it iron? It is iron. All right. Very good. <laughs> All right. Now, now that you, you got that right, uh, okay, I'll, I'll shoot you another one. Uh, 
the only carbohydrate of animal origin of significance in the human diet. Is it glycogen? No, no. No. It is, it is, it is not. Uh, good guess, though. Good guess. All right, so we, we've got some, some answers there. Uh, let's see if we uh, go to, we go here. This is Ryan? Yes. Yes. Well, somebody answered the question about the aluminum powder and hydrogen. Okay. Do you know uh, the answer to the Bible referred to it as brimstone? The only thing I can think of at this moment is salt. No, it's not salt. It's yeah, not salt, but it does start with S. Yeah, <laughs> and sodium. All right. Uh, let me see if someone else will have that uh, that answer. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Bye. Thank you very much. Is that Shaq? Yeah, I'm a rabbi, so I know the answer is sulfur. Yes, the answer is sulfur. <laughs> very good. Very good. All right. Let's see how far your rabbinical knowledge uh, extends. <laughs> I took your class at McGill, so hopefully pretty well. All right. Uh, Okay, if you took my class at McGill, you should know the answer to this one. Humans, <laughs> humans, guinea pigs, fruit-eating bats, and the red-vented bobo cannot make it. One more time, please. Humans, guinea pigs, the fruit-eating bat, and the red-vented bobo, which is a bird, are the only species that cannot make this and have to have it in their diet. All right. Well, it was about 20 years ago, but... I'm going to guess vitamin D. Oh, you're one letter off. It's vitamin C. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Thanks for playing. Uh, that's fun. Maybe we'll try this uh, next time. In the meantime, uh, oil up your brain so you'll do better next week. And that's it. We're smack out of time. But, of course, we'll be back with you same time, same station next week. And that will be the new year. So I can say... Uh, I'll see you next year. Joe Schwartz, wishing that all the chemistry in your life comes out just right.